Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. KJ, I have to say that I need to tip my cap to the athletics department and Jim Curry, probably in particular, who handles the football scheduling, because it was a great weekend for a bye week because there was a lot of good football on it. I don't get to watch it all the time, but I did on Saturday. I almost stayed up for Pac-12 after dark. I mean, it was I got a little crazy. I did not stay up that late, but you're right. I enjoyed most of everything that was going on during Saturday. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting, this is one of the things I appreciate about Coach Norvell. Everybody was talking about, well, is it okay to have a bye week after your second game? And he put it in perspective. You know, Florida State's been practicing for six weeks, and then they have a bye, and now they're going to play five or six games, and then they have a bye. So mathematically, this divides the season from a fall camp perspective into one-third, one-third, one-third. So it was good that Florida State had off this week. Yeah, I think that's right. You wouldn't – if you were only – if it was a one-by season, you wouldn't want it after week two. But when you've got another one coming up, I think it's I think it's in a great place. And going back to what we talked about last week, Keith, I think – and Mike Norvell sent a message on the day we were doing our show last week, and, and it was pretty predictable, and I wasn't at practice. But you get a big win. It's a little easy to let up. And I, I thought that the bye week was good because it gave them a couple days to shake the LSU win right out of the team. And that was the first practice. Norvell came out and ripped the team and said it was the worst practice of the fall, basically. I'm paraphrasing. And, and that was things, predictable. It may have been, but he got their attention back like that. He did. But one of the things, and we've all said it, it's, it's a struggle to get to the top. But it's harder to stay on top. And so you're exactly right. It is much better to have that bad practice during a bye week than if you were getting ready for an opponent. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they shook that out, had a couple more days to clean up some fundamentals and fix some things, then have a really good week. And the, the practices this week have been pretty good, according to reports. So I think that's all good. What you got a general feel, and we'll, I should point out for our listener's sake, we've got a, a couple of guests coming up. Taylor Tannenbaum will join us next segment. She is a former student of mine, actually, but now the co-host for ACC PM. So works uh, at the ACC Network. We'll get her perspective. And then Kurt Weiler from the Osceola, who, as you guys know, has covered Florida State for years and does a great job, recently moved to the Osceola, and uh, we look forward to that conversation. But do you have a feel for the game this week as we chat right now? I always go back to, and you and I experienced this, when you're at Louisville in an other-than-Saturday game, I think about that Thursday game we played up there when the rain came. And though I'm 
contradicting myself. It was a Saturday game when Louisville beat Florida State 103 to two. Much like playing at Carter Finley against NC State on Thursday nights, playing at Louisville at night, whether it's a Friday night or a Saturday night or any other night, always gives me pause because it's always difficult. But I am confident that Florida State will, will come away with the win come Friday night. You're right. I'd rather have this be a sleepy 12 noon game. But you know what? It was a sleepy 12 noon game when Lamar Jackson put 63 on the Knowles or whatever the total was that year. That's, you the, that's the downside. There's no question. Uh, to your point, to me, I was asked what the keys are this week. I think one of the biggest keys is get out to a good start. Now, that sounds silly. It's, it's like don't turn the ball over. You don't want to look up and have it be 10 nothing Louisville after the first quarter because that crowd will be into it. You want to do the opposite. First possession, go down and score points, play from ahead if you can. Again, it sounds obvious, but don't do anything that gets that crowd into it because they're already going to be ready to go. Do the opposite and silence them. That, that Louisville crowd is much like your spouse's crowd at LSU. Uh, they get well-versed before they get into the stadium, if you know what I mean. And that stadium is small, but it's very compact. It's a great, it's a great venue to play college football. So you want to make sure whether you're favored or whether you're, whether you're, uh, you know, an underdog that you get ahead early and take that crowd out of it because that Louisville crowd at 40, 45,000, Tommy will be just as loud as an LSU crowd in Baton Rouge at 80,000. Well, the good news is Florida State has played away from home, but that was not a true road game, especially the way the game went. Same type thing. When you look at that, the LSU crowd never could take over the Superdome because FSU no, was they could not. the way. If you do the same type thing, especially if you do the suck the life out of the team drives that are 14 plays in seven minutes, and I think they have a chance to do that this week because I think they're going to be able to run the football. And if you start banging out six or seven yards a clip, those drives before you look up, they've just gone 80 yards in 10 plays and took another seven minutes off the clock. I, I think there's a chance of that. I hope I'm right. All a right, Taylor Tannenbaum. key and a very important thing. We'll get back to the game and our thoughts uh, in our last segment. Taylor Tannenbaum joins us next on the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline. Stay with us. This is Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Really pleased to have a, uh, a return engagement, a repeat uh, visit from someone that was on the show. I guess it was last year. Maybe it was two years ago. I, I lose track of time. It was sometime during COVID when the NCAA tournament was in the bubble. I guess that was two years ago in Indianapolis. Yeah. Taylor. Taylor Tannenbaum, who is with uh, the ACC Network now. You may have seen her as the co-host of ACCPM. And for background, for those who don't know, Taylor is a Florida State alumnus. And uh, though I take no credit for where she's uh, sitting and how her career has unfolded, uh, I did have her in class when I was teaching as an adjunct several years ago in broadcasting. So Taylor, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. And for those of you who, he says that lightly, Tom, but, but he's the big reason I am where I am. And I know I, I say that a lot. So I'm always grateful for that. So I'm, I'm honored to return the favor and do this show years later. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to see your success. I think the uh, when I was teaching this, and you know this now, I'd be curious your advice. I think I saw you tweeted or somewhere, uh, maybe it was an article I was reading. You were giving somebody else advice that was younger and coming up, inspired by you as a woman in broadcasting. 
you just have to have uh, on top of talent, you have to have stick to itiveness. Yeah. And, and you had that from when you were a student, you were determined that this is what you wanted to do. And so here you are. So I, I congratulate you on that. So, so what's it been like now? You host a, a national show on ACC Network and ACC PM. And I'm going to confess, I'm usually tied up either at work or running my kids around from four to seven. So I've not seen the show, which debuted a month ago, but just enlighten our listeners as to what it's like. So it's a brand new program on ACCPM. It's called ACCPM on ACC Network. And it's from 4 to 7 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Heavy football focus, ACC football focus. That is what obviously we're talking about right now. And you know, even though it's football season, it is 365 when it comes to football. But we'll also mix in some college hoops, men's and women's. We talk a little bit of, you know, we'll sprinkle in some field hockey, lacrosse, because the ACC so good in that category too. Talk a little soccer, uh, baseball, softball, but heavy focus on football. But everything ACC, it's myself, Mark Packer. Every ACC fan knows Mark Packer, the great Mark Packer, and Trey Boston, who was a UNC alum, a star football player there around the time I was in school. So I guess or 2010 to 2012 time uh, and played in the league for a little while. So it's the three of us sit in the basement here in Charlotte, North Carolina, just talking everything Atlantic Coast Conference. And it has been a blast. We've been on air for about a month now, which is crazy to think. But um, yeah, if you haven't tuned in yet, tune in because if you like ACC football and the ACC in general, that's all we have for you for three hours of every single day of the week. It's been crazy. Now, Taylor, you know where I'm coming from. How hard has it been to overcome the negativity of having to take a class from one Thomas William Vaughn? How have you risen above that? Listen, it was tough. It was as boring as could be. I learned nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I credit a lot of where I am to Florida State and, and, and what I was able to do there because the class I was in with Tom was the, really one of the only TV classes we had on camera. Uh, we had an intro class on camera, and then there was just one advanced feature reporting class. And I took it like four times under four different course codes because there was no other way to get reps on air. So I, Florida State gave me the opportunity to take it as many times as I could and just keep getting the repetition and, and that you know real world experience learning from people who've been in the business is the reason that I understood what I was getting myself into um, and to, to where I am now. So it was, it was, and you were a good critic. You were a great critic. I learned a lot about myself then. I, fun fact about me is I had like a fear of writing. Uh, coming into college, I hated writing. I did really bad on my FCATs when I was young on the writing portion. I think it scarred me for life. And you actually gave me an award for best writing in one of my pieces. And it changed my whole mindset because I realized I'm actually not a bad writer. I don't know why I'm so scared of it. So, Hey, this whole business is about writing now. And um, that kind of changed my perspective. So, or, or maybe it just goes to show how ignorant I was as an instructor, Taylor, or that, or that I, I didn't know the difference. Right. Uh, well, your, your advice is sage. Uh, and Keith knows this too. I tell this to anybody who asks about broadcasting for listeners who are interested like most things, it is about repetition and at bat. So since we're talking sports, it's just like baseball. If you want to be a hitter, you got to have X amount of swings uh, along and, and progress. And it's, it's the same thing with sports. Um, all right, let me, let's have a little fun now, Taylor, because you know from your Florida State days here, every FSU fan is convinced that the ACC is against Florida State. 
So they, they think that there's meetings in Greensboro at the start of the day to say, how can we annoy FSU today? So what do those meetings go like when you're planning the show? And I don't know what time you do that, but you got three hours of content. So take us through what that is like and how you, how you determine, okay, we got FSU Louisville Friday night this week. We got Miami going to Texas A&M, Notre Dame just lost. I don't know how much you cover them since they're only halfway in, but kind of walk us through what the production meeting is like. Yeah. So actually we start off the production meeting by saying, let's not talk, do not mention Florida state at all. No, I'm just kidding. I knew it. The The reality of the situation is I'll preface it by saying, we say it a ton on the show. This conference is better when Florida state is good. So this conference needs truthfully needs Florida state in, in every aspect, because it's such a national brand. You know, you have the, it's better when Miami is good as well. So I do, I do not believe there is a, a complete revolt against not wanting, you know, backs against Florida state. I really do think the conference as a whole is much better when Florida state is, but really in production meetings, we just, it's everything under the sun. We come with fun ideas. Uh, we talk about every game that just passed, how it affects the games coming up. We recap everything. We have some fun. We pick the best quarterbacks of the week and we rank them, you know, good, better, best. We, uh, we, we do our own ACC accounting. So we rank the teams one through 14 during the week. And it changes obviously every week and people get so offended online. I'm getting hate right now because I have Florida state ranked sixth, and I'm going to be, keep it honest. Right now, after two, I guess for them, three weeks of, or, you know, three weeks they had a buy of football, I have them still ranked sixth because I think, you know, for me, especially as a Florida State fan, I'm just, you know, make it, things make me nervous still a little bit. So I, I actually, I think, go ahead, Keith. I think that's no, fair. I, I was going to say, I agree with that. And, and Taylor, yeah. to, to expand upon that, what do you hear from other people that are now looking at Florida State in 2022 versus years past? What does the what does the conference say about Florida State football wise this year? What are you hearing? Well, I'm around a lot of you know the reporters and analysts, and I'm listening to a lot of content, talking to people just out and about. And the reality is that this Florida State program is just in a completely different headspace, and it's very very obvious. The confidence level is there. Uh, Jordan Travis's confidence level is there. The buy-in with Mike Norvell, people can see it. And to me, people really believe Florida State's a real contender, regardless of it was just Duquesne, you can say, or, you know, it was a 24-23 win over LSU. It could have gone either way. The reality is those are games that, especially that LSU game, Florida State may have dropped a couple of years ago. So people are really buying in. People believe that this, this this isn't because it was it's just early in the season and then we're just two or three games. And this is because it's a different Florida state team and people are believing the fact that they are real contenders, especially with Jordan Travis. That's what I'm hearing the most is the difference in Jordan Travis has been outstanding. Just his leadership and his abilities on the field have just taken great leaps and bounds. You're talking FSU quarterbacks and we're talking with Taylor Tannenbaum, Florida state alum who is co-host of uh, ACC PM on ACC network. You work with a former Florida State quarterback, though, as part of your weekend duties in EJ Manuel. I found it interesting that uh, as we were talking before we started recording, you and EJ were actually in school at the same time, and you were turning stories on the football team, but you didn't know EJ until now you've gotten to know him. 
Yeah, it's super strange. It's funny because I hadn't met him until I, I joined, what, about four weeks ago. Finally met him when we were on the road a couple of weeks ago, but obviously I followed him for a long time. And, and you know, being there, we were there. He was my quarterback. I joke sometimes, you know, I'll say on the show, like joining us now is my quarterback because he was. Um, and it's been really awesome just watching things from his perspective too, because he's so bright and he's so he's always so calm, cool, and collected. So to see the game through his eyes, we'll watch on Saturdays when we're on the road, we watch games together a lot of the times on, on all around the league um, on screens. And it's just really interesting to see his perspective because he's just so smart and was such a great quarterback at Florida State. Um, but it's been fun to see, you know, this side of him. I only ever knew him from the outside looking in. So uh, it's it's been an honor and, and pretty cool to, to have two FSU grads out there, you know, representing the ACC network on Saturdays like that. I'm pretty sure we're the only two when, when, when you gather us all together, we're the only ACC school that has two there. So we have numbers. We have numbers now. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Taylor. I saw the video of EJ getting excited when that block occurred against LSU. So this calm, cool and collected, that might not be a hundred percent of the time. What are you telling me? He, 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 he maintains it. You know, he shows his fandom when he needs to, I, I have one too. I was pretty excited too. And we talked about it and he agrees. He agrees. This, this team is different. He, we've talked about it on the show too, that this team just looks the part um, and they're playing the part. And he, and he obviously sees it from the quarterback's perspective. Again, with, with Travis, he just sees that, that there's a lot of potential for this team. So yeah, I guess, I guess maybe when it all breaks down, he, he can get a little, he can get a little rambunctious, but he he's when some, when a good play happens, I notice he's, he's the quiet one, but, but, you know, he makes a lot of motions. He gets up and, you know, punches the air and stuff, but, but he's still pretty even keel. It explains a lot. Honestly, it explains a lot. That's why he's a QB. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish up here, Taylor. You also get to work with Mark Rick, by the way, who yes. Mark Rick's a Miami guy, but Florida state folks think of him as a Florida state guy too, for all the time he spent here with, with Charlie and coach Bowden and all that, but you and your career, uh, when you left FSU, I don't, I don't know the whole track record, but you had to somehow you had to struggle and cover Alabama as they rose to prominence. And I don't know how many titles you covered there. And then most recently you've been in Indianapolis and I'm not a, uh, an auto racing guy, but I imagine you covered the Indy 500 a few times. So you've, you've had, what, what's been the most interesting stop along the way so far or story? Oh, well, I went from Florida for the quick track. I went from Florida State straight to Dothan, Alabama. So if you're in Tallahassee, you probably know where Dothan is for three years. Then Huntsville, Alabama for two. And then Indianapolis, I was there the last four. So if I could make a list, certainly the several national championships. My favorite, though, Florida State Auburn. I did cover that, uh, that last uh, BCS championship at the Rose Bowl. Uh, that was in incredible. I've covered four Indianapolis 500s. Uh, including one during the pandemic, which was crazy. I talked to you during March Madness. That's why Indianapolis is so great. They host so many events. Um, got to have the whole March Madness in the bubble in Indy. So I got to go to whatever game I wanted to go to when no fans were allowed to go, which was pretty incredible. Um, there's just been so many incredible stops along the way, but certainly the national, it's always college, college football that kind of and basketball, that takes the case. You, you failed the test, Taylor, because the correct answer was appearing on Front Row Knowles. I mean, I thought I put that, that on, a, on a platter for you, but, you know, if you want to choose the NCAA tournament, I hear you. You know, I, hear you. you know, I wasn't including my time in Charlotte yet, so I was going to say this, you know, this most recent one. If it, Yeah, if I had to include my stop in Charlotte, I would say this. 
<laughs> well, it's it's good to catch up. Florida State fans need to know there's an alum that, that's hosting ACC PM and that the league does not have meetings uh, every morning to discuss how they can uh, adversely affect FSU, contrary to some message board beliefs. Uh, hopefully you get down to Tallahassee at some point this year so we can catch up, but congratulations on your career success. Thank you. Fingers crossed. And hey, I know Friday night's a big one. I'll say it here. Well, let's go Knowles. There we go. Three and oh. There this we go. Big as soon game as, against Louisville. As soon as this show uh, makes the podcast circuit, Taylor, every other school in the ACC is now going to claim you're against them. Just so you know. I know. I know because it's an ACC game. But hey, I think you guys know under underneath when they're playing what, who I'm going with. Understand. Taylor Tannenbaum from the ACC Network. Thanks again. We'll take a break and come back with more Front Row Knowles. Thanks, Taylor. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, let's reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And our Osceola Insider this week is Kurt Weiler. And Kurt, uh, we appreciate you joining us. We uh, had a good conversation with Taylor Tannenbaum that was more about her career, Florida State alum. Uh, I guess you're an FSU alum as I think about that too. Uh, another commonality from the V89 days, we have that uh, bond, but uh, you too have had great success. And uh, we appreciate you now that you're at the Osceola doing such good work for them as well. So what do you, what do you think right now as we talk midweek, uh, as, as you think about the game, are you, are you confident? Are you pessimistic? How do you think Florida State uh, shakes out in this one? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I almost feel too, weirdly too confident, like kind of wanting to to pace myself a little in that regard. I mean, the thing is, it just from what we've seen from Louisville, I mean, they haven't played, they kind of haven't played that FCS team yet, but I don't think they've also either played a great team. I think Syracuse is better than they, we thought they were. We didn't really know what UCF were. I think those are two fine teams, but I think when you look at, I mean, I, we thought, obviously it wasn't the case in new Orleans. We thought the identity of this team was going to be running the ball. And uh, that has been a major weakness of Louisville's even against, I mean, a quarterback last week who kind of struggled to throw. So uh, I don't know. I, 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 there are absolutely reasons to, to take Louisville in that game. Lee Cunningham's had a, a good deal of, of success against Florida state over his, uh, his career with the Cardinals, but I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely a little surprised when I opened the, the spread opened as a pick and I think it's sitting now around what, two and a half points. I mean, I, uh, I, I do feel good. Kurt, do you, do you honestly feel that Florida state's defense can handle Malik? Because there are many who believe that he by himself can create such havoc that no defense can corral him. Is, is this the time when Florida State raises itself and shows it? I think uh, when you talk about the linebacker play through the first few weeks and how much improved that's been with Tatum Bethune and with what we've seen from Kalen Deloach carrying over the end of last season, even DJ Lundy, I think it, possibly yes. I mean, I think the thing is they couldn't spy Jaden Daniels, I think, as I'm sure they much wanted to just because of the attention those LSU receivers drew. I mean, they were, they were often putting a lot of attention on Kayshawn Bouti. I think they might be able to spy Malik a lot. And I think you saw the, the few moments they did spy him that uh, Kalen, Kalen's a guy who could maybe fill that role. Can you do it every play? Probably not, but I don't know. I, I He's no, like I said, I mean, he's no doubt had a, a lot of success against Florida state. And I think 
they are definitely fearful of him, even though he hasn't maybe gotten off to the best start to this season. I mean, he had 20 rushing touchdowns last year as a quarterback. He is a, a legitimate playmaker. And it will, I mean, be interesting to see, uh, to see how they try and corral him. Cause it felt like, I mean, if you go back to that Louisville game last year here around halftime was when kind of that, that ship turned for the Florida state defense. No, that's definitely when the change happened. Now I don't remember if that's, did, did Jamie Robinson, it probably wasn't in game. When did, was it the next game when he moved from being the slot back to safety and they brought Kevin Knowles in? I'm sure that wasn't a halftime switch, but it all kind of coincided with that, that time frame. I think it was around there. I, I don't remember offhand. I would have to go back and, and, and pull up like kind of the, the game notes, but yeah, I mean that, that no doubt played a role. And I think finding the kind of the, the right guys, I know that was when Kevin Knowles, I think started playing more and then Duke Cooper a few days after that. And so yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I think that played a role. And I think there's also something to be said for, I mean, for a defense that hadn't had a ton of success, having some success kind of breeded confidence, I think. How much do you think playing a Daniels and being successful will help Florida State defensively as they prepare for Cunningham? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think the difference is, I think, we, like I was saying, when you go back and look at that LSU game, I think they were content to let Daniels take off more simply because they weren't going to give him so much attention that they could would neglect those, those receivers or those running backs. I think that was kind of like, if he's going to beat us, he's going to beat us. And he did. I mean, he ran for over hundred yards, didn't really have a ton of success through the air until later in the game when Florida state was going pretty uh, conservative. I don't know if that's the same here though. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you feel the same about, it. I think you, you give Cunningham more attention. I think he's a little faster. I think both are athletic, but I think Cunningham is a little faster a little shiftier. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson, but maybe in terms of how he runs the ball, you see the uh, similarities, why he's kind of followed in his, in his footsteps there. I feel like the defensive ends are key. It's funny because there's a lot of talk about FSU secondary to me, they need discipline in their, in their rush. Cause as good as versus uh, you know, it's not necessarily consistent down to down and that could, that could lead to some big plays, but let, let's talk. Well, let, let me, I mentioned verse. We, we all, we all put the disclaimer out on him. He's not going to be Jermaine. You know, every one of us has said that a hundred times. And then we're two games in and he has three sacks and like four tackles for loss. And not that you can multiply those numbers by six. I mean, it'd be tough to keep that up, but he's on pace to put up productivity like what Jermaine had last year through two games. Yeah, he uh, he has. I was definitely, I mean, like you said, we were all doing it. I think everyone was. I was doing it on our message board, just kind of saying like, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to have his moments. Do not expect the next ACC defensive player of the year to also be playing defensive end at Florida State. Probably still not. I mean, we'll see how things go as the season goes on. I think there were questions about that LSU line, not to take away from what he did. He was very impressive, and he definitely liked Jermaine. Seems like a guy who thrives when the spotlight's on him. Mean, he had that big sack on the final drive that I think we thought was going to kind of be the the killer, if not for what what followed it. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you go back and look at literally I think that first play from scrimmage. Remember the big Jaden Daniels run? Jared Verse loses contain on that play and gets caught inside, kind of gets caught in a pass rush and loses that responsibility of having to keep him in the pocket. And Daniels takes off. And then you watch Jared Verse fly. I mean, it, that is what got him on the FSU coach's radar last year. Him like kind of going stride for stride with uh, Syracuse running back Sean Tucker. And you saw that again there. And be interesting to see. I mean, I losing contain could be a problem against Blake Cunningham, obviously, but he has the speed where I'm not saying you can keep up with him, but he is deceptively fast when you look at him for sure. And you wonder what, what kind of role that can play in this situation. 
Changing gears, looking at the offense, is Travis all that, or are we too optimistic? I mean, I wrote a story, I, I, and I got some some hate on our message boards. I should say hate for using that kind of he silenced the haters in that game. I think, and people objected to haters and kind of the colloquial use of the ter- use of the term. But I, I I don't know. I mean, it's I think so. I think he's undeniably improved. I think how he handled that moment. The one thing I think I want to see is make sure that wasn't kind of a like all my eggs are in the basket of I need to be on this stage and perform in this moment. And if it carries over and if he kind of looks like he did in that LSU game again this weekend, I don't even know what you can kind of say about him at that point. I think that would kind of prove it's legitimate. And I think this is a defense that uh, that should provide opportunities. I mean, I if if they do what they kind of tried to do to UCF and brought the the safeties down and kind of were like, you're not gonna be able to throw over our head guy's not accurate enough and it's stopping trying to go all out to stop the run. I mean, he showed in that game, he can be, and he's shown quite a few times he can pop it over their head. And I think that could be a, a problem for them. So but, we'll see. But I think- I, there's the, there's the added emotion for him too. Of I mean, this is a, and he admitted today, he's like, I, I'm not going to say it's not, it's not in my head a little bit about this is going back to his first school. It's a different coaching staff, but his second trip back to the school he played at for one year. I get the load the box, dare him to throw to beat you kind of thing, but I feel like Florida State's going to run the football. I mean, Louisville's not been good against the run overall, no matter what they've got in the box. So, to me, I mean, against Duquesne, FSU just handed off and got 400 yards rushing. Uh, so, Travis didn't really have to throw. Against LSU, it was the opposite. He had to throw and was and was lethal on third down. This one, I feel like you're going to see both, but he's going to be thrown from ad- advantageous situations, second and two you know, play action is going to work because they're running the ball well. I mean, I hope I'm right on this, but that's just what it looks like to me on paper looking at the stats. When you look at it, I think both Garrett Schrader at Syracuse and John Rice Plumley at UCF had success running the ball as quarterbacks. And obviously we haven't really seen that from Jordan this year, but it's it's still in the skill set, and I think we could very well see that Friday night. Are there any options or is there concern at place kicker? It's a good question. I mean, it, it – uh, you thought that this year, and and I'll, I'll say, I mean, it's it's not been an encouraging week of practice for him leading him into this game, and you you hope it doesn't come down to that. I mean, he's a, it's been an unfortunate week for an unfortunate time for Ryan Fitzgerald, and it's tough because that's such a that's such a mental thing. With with I mean, when 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 guys are going bad, it can be hard to write that. Not having done it myself, it just it, it, that seems to be the case. Um, I, I obviously, I mean, the main option is now at West Virginia Parker growth house transferred in the off season. So uh, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't think so. Cause the only other walk on the only options at the moment are, are walk-ons and they're, they're new. So I don't think it's a, a jeopardy thing, but I mean, yeah, you, you, you almost hope, I mean, it, you wonder how that plays into Mike Norrell already a pretty aggressive fourth down play caller, but you wonder if that factors in even more with his decision-making. That, that was going to be my next question, Kurt. I mean, does it become, I don't, you know, it's, it's 40 yards out kind of the dividing line, unless you're looking at fourth and 17, but if you're fourth and four, you don't want to kick a 42 yard or you're just going for it. I, you know, if it's two seconds left and you need a kick, you're going to try the kick, but I do wonder how it figures into fourth down math. Yeah. It's it. I mean, cause that's the whole thing. And like, there were some of those situations of like, I know the, the fourth down at the end of the game against LSU, even the fourth down at the end of the first half, both of those, they're saying like, why are we taking points there? You should be taking points there. And it's kind of like, those are easy kicks, but, but you don't exactly feel great about that right now. You can't just say, 
take the points like field goals are gimme, even from short range. So I, I will be interested to see how that factors in. Like I said, he's already, I think, a little too aggressive for a lot of Florida State fans on fourth down. I think the math backs it up. I mean, if you look at the analytics, but I know there's a a, a, a traditional, shall we say, segment of the fan base that that hasn't things haven't been done that way for that long. Kurt, as we finish up, biggest thing that you think will surprise Florida State fans Friday night in the positive? Hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I'll go so far as say I'm not – I don't think they're going to be sweating this out. I mean, I think uh, – I was. I saw actually just before I came on here, I was looking at, at Twitter. I think this is the first time Norvell's going to be favored on the road in, in seven road games, I want to say it is. And so I, I think this will be not the first road win. I guess that was at, at North Carolina last year. But I think – I don't know. I just – I think the main thing stopping Florida state here, when you look at how the matchup goes is just if they started reading the headlines, that would be, I think the main thing working against Florida state. If they, if they were like, Oh, that LSU win was great. Look at us. They were, they all said after that game, we're back. If they go into that mentality, I don't like their chances, but if they do, I think, I think they it won't be a game you're sweating out into the final minutes. I hope you're right. Kurt Weiler, our Osceola insider. Thank you. Uh, safe travels to Louisville. We'll see you up there. Sounds good. Thanks guys. All right, we'll take a break and put the wraps on Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, good conversation with Kurt Weiler, as always. Uh, wish him safe travels up to the game this week. The uh, the Louisville games have been interesting over the years, Keith. You mentioned it at the top of the broadcast. Thanks for bringing up the Thursday nighter in the rain. Oh, my gosh. That was the Chris Rick special in 2002 that uh, FSU dropped in overtime. I was trying to spare our listeners a walk down that memory lane, but you brought it up, so I finished the story. Thank you. Most rain I've ever seen in my life in any one place. And that includes the 82 Pittsburgh game in Tallahassee. You, unfortunately, were on the sidelines. I was soaking wet and I was in the press box. Yeah, that was, well, whatever hurricane that was that went through. Yes. Uh, and I've told the story after the game that night. I just, I, I was flying back the next morning. I didn't even pack most of the clothes. I threw out the shoes and socks. They were, I mean, there was no point in even trying to salvage them at that point. Uh, the last Thursday night game I remember, though, this was 2014, which was the year that Florida State and Jameis just kind of toyed with everybody and said, ah, yep, yep, how many yep. points do we want to spot you? Well, that night they spotted Louisville 21. And then just before half, a fumble at the goal line and Nick O'Leary falls on it for a touchdown. And before all said and done, Florida State comes back from down 21 zip to win that game 42-31. And uh, that, that might be the single – the crowd, I don't know that I've seen a crowd's emotion swing as much as the Louisville crowds did that night from joy and ecstasy when they're up 21 nothing to what in the world just happened when they lost that game. But none of that, none of those stories have anything to do with what's going to happen on Friday, though, Keith. Other than you can expect that Louisville crowd on a Friday night to be rambunctious. You know, one of the things I will tell you about Louisville, whether it's football and in, in, I still call it Papa John's Stadium, whatever they call it now, whether it's basketball and the, what is it, the Yum Arena right there on the river, those folks love their school and they participate. And one of the big things, we've mentioned this in the first segment, one of the big things that Florida State has to do is find a way to take that crowd out. Because normally 
I mean, you look at Papa John's Stadium, whatever they call it now, 40, 45,000 folks. You say that can't be a loud arena, but that can't be a loud stadium. But it is unbelievably loud because of the way the stadium's configured. So if you want to have success, you've got to get that crowd out of the game early. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and I, I do think they have a chance, a, a chance to do that. Louisville, for those who've not been, I don't know the population offhand. It's probably 750, 800,000, but I think it's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. that doesn't have a professional sports team. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. Louisville has the following of what a professional sports team would have if you, if, you know, if you're in a pro city. Uh, so, I mean, they get many more than just folks that went to Louisville. So they, they do have a good following. I, the, uh, there, there's a lot of interesting hooks to this game. One of them being that Jordan Travis started his career at Louisville and now that he did. Back. And, uh, and then you have Jarvis Brownlee, who started his career at FSU, and he's now playing corner for Louisville. So you've, you've got some of those type things. I think, though, really, we, we referenced the 2002 and the 2014 game. What Mike Norvell needs to point out is nothing more than last year's first half game tape. And really, it wasn't even the full first half. It was probably till about the midpoint of the second quarter, and Louisville already had 31 points, I believe just make the players watch that on a loop from pure embarrassment because it's the same quarterback and the same coach and the same offense, some different parts. That, that to me, if that doesn't get your attention, nothing's going to. There is no question that Malik Cunningham can create havoc for any defense in the country. When he is able to execute, his skill set is such that he'll make Daniels, he'll make Richardson at Florida, I mean, he'll make just about any quarterback, including Jordan Travis. He can excel and be better than any of them when he is on his game. He is that talented. So Florida State has to be prepared from a defensive standpoint. Rush lanes, being disciplined, pick and choose when you go zone versus man. Make sure you don't let Cunningham get out of the pocket because he is just as effective when he's out of the pocket throwing the ball as he is candidly in the pocket throwing the ball. Uh, This will be a test for Florida State's defense. I think they're up to it. I think they'll rise to the occasion. But this will be uh, an unbelievable test for FSU defensively. One of the things we we haven't talked about this year, and it's a little premature, Keith, uh, although it's coming. We, We talked about it in years past from a psychological standpoint of the pressure the defense would feel if they don't feel like the offense can score enough. In other words, now the defense is on the field. They have to make a play because the offense is scuffling. But I think we're, 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 we're shifting to another uh, era now, if you will, in that I think the defense can look at it and think of it the other way that, you know what, our offense is good enough to pick us up if we let one slide. Uh, you understand the point I'm making. It's a different psychology than what FSU's defense has played with, candidly, since maybe 2017. I mean, the offense has been so stop and start, even under target uh, Taggart. You go four drives and punt, and then you get a 60-yard pass to Tamari and Terry for a touchdown. I, I think we're getting to the point now where the, the defense can trust the offense a little bit more to do its part. Tommy, there's a fine line between a defense that goes on the field and says, we need a three and out and turn the ball over back to the offense versus a defense that says, we have to create a turnover. There's a fine line between those two. But when you have a program where the defense says our goal is three and out, not creating a turnover, 
you've created an atmosphere that's much different than Florida State fans have witnessed in the last four or five years. Yeah, you said that much better than than how I articulated it. But it's it, it's all the coaching mantra and coach speak. It's do your job. Don't be a hero. Don't make that hero play. Just do your job. And the next thing you know, the offense will be back out there and they'll get some points. But I'm excited. It's it's a place Florida State hasn't been in since 2016 to even be two and zero. And it's not as if they're playing Alabama in Tuscaloosa. This is a team that Florida State can and should beat. Now, can they ne- take the next step and do it? Well, we're going to find out on Friday night, right? One of the things, you know, we talked about when you're rebuilding a program, you lose big, you lose close, you win close, you win big. A part of that is the expectation that when you go into a ball game, you believe that you will perform well. And that goes back to can you play with confidence? And if you get the lead, can you play with a lead? That is a very unique situation that Florida State has not enjoyed recently and learning how to play with a lead and learning how to maintain a lead is just as important as learning how to come back from a deficit. Florida state and Louisville under the lights Friday night uh, on the road in Louisville, Kentucky. And then if you missed the announcement, the Boston college game next Saturday will also be under the lights an 8 PM game back at Doe Campbell stadium. Keith uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the good karma, not the rain and some of that 2002 karma. Uh, hopefully we don't need to come back from the 2014. Hopefully we can just go up there, take care of business, business trip, get it done, come home, turn the page. I'm looking forward to boring. I want to get back to boring. I want to get back to 33, six ball games. I'm excited about that fact. <laughs> Some would say you've cornered the market on boring Keith, but I, I wouldn't say that. Anyway, we are uh, out of time on this week's show. Keith's going to blister me now, folks. Tune in again next week on Front Row Knowles. <laughs>